You're listening to House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Ah, uh, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! I have to say, uh, is, it, is it wrong that that uh, punching sound effect um, made me want to remind everybody that the director's cut of Rocky Four is out? And I will be What's watching What's different about the director's cut? He just went through it and redid the sound and some of the fights and, and tightened up some of the shots. And, oh, okay. You know, just basically it's put like a, a new- remaster? Yeah, it's like a remaster. And I'm for it, and I love that movie. It's basically a series of music videos and fight scenes, and what could be better? That's the um, chicken montage, right? Uh, no, no, no. That's three. Or oh, you're two. you're right. That two. is three. Two is the chicken. I, uh, that's, two is the, um, that's Mickey- um, telling him that, uh, let's see. I, yeah. Where is it? I think three is like the Kentucky fried idiot. Right. That's the where he chases the chicken around. I feel like a Kentucky fried idiot. Right. That's the, um, again, some solid writing from Sly on that one. Remember he wrote those movies. He didn't just star in them. He made you think he was dumb because he's actually a good actor. All right. So the fourth part of this there's, I mean, there's two more pieces to this uh, Fox News editorial that they're that again is gotta be such a drag. I mean, this there's no way this guy's getting on any Hannity or Tucker segments anytime soon. But the fourth one says, even Durham's first indictment months ago against FBI lawyer um, Kevin Kleinsmith, he did not allege that the dossier was false. Rather, he accused Kleinsmith of withholding a piece of information that was true, namely that Trump campaign advisor Carter Page had been an informant for the CIA. Which, uh, by the way, um, that 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 that's why the CIA is doing all these advertisements. Like, please join the CIA. Please, we need diversity. We need other people. We can't just we just can't Peter Principle. Uh, moronic white guys in here anymore. We just, we got, we got to have a broader, we got to have a oh, broader swath of people. I, uh, yeah. Um, and then five, finally, this is, oh God, poor, poor people. All three of the false statements indictments Durham has filed so far proceed on the theory that, quote, the FBI was duped. Not that the Bureau intentionally lied to the court. Even the FBI's Kleinsmith was accused of lying to an FBI agent, not to a federal judge. If Durham were building it uh, toward an ar- overarching indictment alleging a corrupt conspiracy between the Clinton campaign and the FBI to deceive the court, he would not he would not be charging people with lying to the FBI. This is the <clears throat> and again, even that lie about Carter Page, which by the way, the primary one wasn't that he was a CIA informant, but that he um th- that he was known to have uh like carry documents essentially for the government before, which would lower the chance they would uh, extend his FISA warrant, not raise the chance that they would do it. It was actually to that lie from Kevin Kleinsmith was to benefit Carter Page. That was to get people off of Carter Page's back. That the fact that they extended it was because have you seen this idiot on Chris Hayes' show? There is no way. He's a twitchy mess. He's lying out his backside. This is garbage. That's so amazing. I remember Eyebrow Gate with him. Oh, good Lord. I mean, I, I've never seen anybody hit on, on Chris Hayes that hard 
I I, I swear to God, it, like His just from that, were ridiculous. Yeah, Chris Hayes' wife got pregnant for the second time just from that interview, just from the eyebrow movement. Just I, like that was amazing. Yes, Carter Page is a a liar and a moron, and is his entire job was to carry paper for the Trump campaign. Fly to Russia, where we know you have connections. Meet with Sar. He met Sergey Lavrov at the at the RNC. He's a courier. He's a paper courier. The only reason they're like, well, there aren't any emails pointing to the. That's because nobody in their right mind is stupid enough to email Carter Page anything. <laughs> are you kidding me? Would you? Would you? All right. You know you have to use Carter Page to convey a secret. Do you text him? Or do you go, this idiot will leave his phone on the train? Um, or, or do you give him a, a piece of uh, rice paper? Or like with, one of those uh, like foldy things? Like yes, that. Okay, right. Carter, pick a color. Yeah, it's a cootie catcher. You use a cootie catcher. Yeah. Now, eat this one. When you're done, Carter, um, <laughs> why is he stuffing it up his <laughs> and backside? And he just eats it right away. He rates it. Yeah, wait till the... Oh, we got to do another one. Um, so, um, this, that whole segment, that's about trying to bring... There's a movement, you know, Liz Cheney and Kitzinger are out on, you know, on the forefront of this, obviously. But there is a movement within the Republican Party to slowly you know, switch this, you know, the golden idol for the bag of sand without triggering the darts from the walls. This is, this is their Indiana Jones moment and they are failing miserably. They're doing, I mean, you know, ultimately like they're, they're going to fare about as well as Cepito, um, the the guy who was helping him, um, helping Indiana Jones. If you'll recall, throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. Like, right. So, (laughs) Doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. So these guys are trying desperately to try and right this ship while putting on a brave face, while decrying uh, um, the, the you know, it's a terrible inflation in the United States is terrible. Well, guess what? It's terrible everywhere. And everywhere else, there are no rising wages to correspond. Now, is current inflation because of supply issues outpacing or, or oil and gas because China is buying up everything? This is an open market, kids. Energy is an open market. I, I thought Republicans were free market capitalists or at least fair market capitalists. I guess that's the, that's the bend, right, between the two. So, but at some point, they seem to think that Canadian shale oil is American. I've, I've yet to figure that out. That Canadian companies should be able to put pipelines across U- U.S. territory when they're simply just bringing their oil to market. They're not giving it to us. <laughs> like well, I, I mean, piggy. Yeah, like we're, well, like we're putting a tap on it, like getting maple syrup out of a tree in an old Warner Brothers cartoon or something. Yeah, they just run their thing through and the Canadians are really good. So we just stick a tap on there and you can just fill your car up. It's nonsense. And the and so defending Canadian shale oil, and then of course saying somehow that Exxon, Chevron, Shell, um, the uh, American companies that produce oil not just here but all over the world, somehow owe it to the American public 
to charge less for a commodity that everyone in Europe is using hand over fist right now as everybody tries to get their economy back. We're using it. South America's using it. Europe's using it. Like Russia has turned off one of their primary gas, natural gas bigots to Europe because they need it. But are you hearing that conversation on the news when we talk about gas prices in this country? Are, are you? No, you're hearing it. Uh, talk about it as if Jimmy Carter is arguing with OPEC in 1977. Right. It's a, and it's all just uh, random. And that COVID fault. never happened. And the, yeah. like, right? Like, we they, let's just pretend that whole thing. We did. Uh, we had a surplus. No, we didn't. We we had we weren't going anywhere. And and all of the price things, please, we do this on my show all the time, but whenever someone gives you a percentage um, and not the actual number, the mean number, they're telling you a narrative. And if they give you the mean number without giving you the, the percentage, they're also telling you a story. This is up 300%. Okay, what does that mean? It means there one person kind of did it, now four people are doing it. That's what they mean. If you hear that, then you're like, well, then why are you telling me 300%? That sounds extraordinary and off outlandish and like it's overwhelming and the most important thing in the world. And it clearly is not. Statistically, it has no meaning in my life whatsoever. Meanwhile, if it, what you're going to be hearing, and this is, keep an ear out for this, for kids, over the next couple of weeks especially. Year over year or year to date, up some percentage. Because last year, Everything cratered. So compared to 2019, are we up? Yeah. But a a measurable amount that you would consider after we've been through a pandemic. But compared to last year when no one was going anywhere and businesses were shuttering all over the place, of course prices are up compensatory to that. As are wages because people were broke. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Chris Christie is gunning for Trump. And he's, he may be the first out of the gate, but he's not going to be the last. This is the real 2024 race. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I've had people walk out of me before, but not when I was being so charming. Video streaming at HalSparks.com. Well, I don't care for you if the putrid sludge you're trowling out. Damn, us face little pimp stick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. So um, we were just talking during the break that, um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, comparison, when you look at the conversation that's being had about oil and gas prices, when you're looking at the conversation about inflation uh, around consumer goods, one of the reasons why everybody's getting away with sort of clickbait doom and gloom is because is well it's twofold. One is they're going by last year's numbers mm-hmm. when nothing was happening. Businesses were closed. They you know um if if you're the looking at like down. the right and the the idea that they're somehow decrying the price of beef right now when Trump sold China the largest order of beef in American history after he had it started believing apparently that they hit us with a bioweapon. This is his belief system. So yeah, again, I guess we owe Chamberlain's family a 
an apology? Is that what's happening? Largest order of beef in American history to the Chinese while Americans were in bread lines, were in food lines. In in June, remember those long car roads where people were getting bags of groceries because nobody had a job and a lot of the UI hadn't kicked in in a lot of places yet? Or in Republican states especially, they make it extra hard because they figure if they make it too easy, you'll be lazy instead of just making yep. it too big a deal and driving people into harsher poverty, driving crime rates up because you're like, what's easier, selling drugs or filling out a, an unemployment form? <laughs> like at a certain point. But so one of the cases that they make is that gas is way up. Gas per gallon. Oh my God. It's way up. And it's up. It definitely is up. But it's mm. up in a mitigatory fashion if you erase the COVID drop. If you percent, and again, this goes to the number versus the percentage. Whenever someone in the news is going uh, 500%, there's been a thousand percent of the, and it's especially when it's in a headline, then go, all right, what's the actual number? And if they give you a single number, then percentage wise, what is that? Because it might seem big. 10,000 people have been charged with a certain kind of crime. You're like, uh, in a country of 340 million people, that's not surprising. In a county of 12,000 might be a big deal. So I kind of need to know. And and that's why, you know, many people will know that Trump famously shunned the concept of per capita because he likes it when it works in his favor and, and doesn't. And, you know, other. when you say per capita, there's many per capita. It's just like per capita relative to what? There's so many per right? capita. There's so many per capita. There's a lot of per capita. There's like mega capitas. Uh, which is the one that matters, and nobody else does. So um, one of the things that you're, you know, you're seeing a bunch of this stuff is that you know the the height of the price May 2019, right before summer, which is you know what you judge the hot. Usually the peak is May because the gas companies know everybody's going to be traveling. You're going to drive further. The family's going to get pile everybody in the SUV and drive or rent an RV and drive to see family for the summer or go on a trip. So they jack up the price and it's their Black Friday. Summer is the gas company's, you know, time to make hay. And so that's what they do. So all all summer long, you'll see it. But May is the spike one because they've just gotten out of school and that's when most people will take the driving trip immediately. Go drive and see family, right? Take kids to camp. Stuff that requires, uh, a, you know, a longer drive. And so you know you can milk them for it. And if you look at the chart, it will always say it. May is always the spike point. So May in 2019, gas was $2.94 a gallon. $3. Right? It is up $0.40 cents on average since then. Okay? It is up $0.40 cents since the May price of 2019. It is Technically, if you want to go for it, it's down 30 cents from June of 2014. It's down uh, 25 cents from March of 2013. It's it's down uh, 60 cents from April of 2012. Gas, you'll be happy to know, is down almost a dollar from July 2008. Now, what do all those dates have in common, though? One is, they weren't last year. <laughs> they were the year before last year. And there was not, in any of those cases, 
a, a worldwide pandemic the, the year previous. Hear me now. Understand what I'm saying to you. Gas and fuel prices in those years were significantly higher than they are right now and there wasn't even a pandemic. Now, in the case of Not 2008... Even a pandemic. No. In the, in the case of 2008 and the crash, that happened right after gas prices were at their worst and on their way up. In many ways, that reset the growth cycle of fuel costs for a period of time. And the Obama administration set a policy basically to keep it below $4 and damn, did they not manage to do it. Just, it bumped right along. It just needled right up there but never crested over that in the average. Um, and some people are calling out the, the $7 a gallon in California. That station that everybody talks about in the news where it's $7.70, do you, do you know how much uh, gas was at that station in 2008? was $11.60 a gallon. 11. That's that's what happens when you fill your tank in the middle of nowhere. Um and and you know, it's like, hmm, fill my tank or 3 miles from here get abducted by hillbillies and get used as a genetic experiment to uh decouple the rings in their family tree. So, yes, is gas up from last year? Yeah. But it's down from what eight years previous and ten years previous and yeah. and six years previous and and five years previous. This is crucial to the conversation. It is unfair to the consumer and the uh, the average American citizen listening to not speak to them like adults about this kind of stuff, especially since last year, we lost, people lost their entire life savings, their businesses. When, like, the biggest government intervention in, in um, you know, in a hundred years had to happen simply because it was that bad. And now they're like, well, it's, you know, this is, this is, a, this is policy in the last six months. It's nonsense. Gas prices are high, but they've been high before and not because we just came out of a recession and, these oil companies, I don't know why everybody is talking about them like they are public citizens. That's the part that boggles my mind. You know, while accusing the left of wanting to nationalize oil like Venezuela, the right wing says this all the time, apparently they are all in on the concept that there's something, there's such a thing as American oil. There ain't. Yeah. That drives me bonkers. Yeah. And the Canadian shale oil that would have come through our country and gone all the way to the Gulf of Mexico using the Keystone Pipeline and or or the one that currently uses the Line 5 Pipeline that the Republicans are talking about that goes through Michigan and, and has flooded 1.1 million gallons of oil into the Kalamazoo River in one of its major spills and constantly leaks into, the, in, into uh, Lake Michigan. That's that's not American oil. That's not American energy. It's Canadian shale oil. It's the crappiest, mm. most hard to filter version of oil that you can get. Worst and it's tasting, not ours. If you ask me, it's got this. You know, when you get once you get maple, yeah, it's got anywhere. Yeah, there's. It's got yeah. I I. It's got stevia. You can tell. 
Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is. It never goes away. Like I wash my hands, rinse my face, and there's still just. You can always smell it. It's like it's like walking by Steve Bannon. The smell stays with you for a week. This, uh, you know, this I, I kind of hijacked this segment, you know, in talking about this. But it's really about the, you know, the conversation in the news. This is really not about, like, uh, you know, there are things that can be done about consumer prices and buying stuff and the like, and there are things that can't. And when it's U.S. policy that's causing some of these problems, then we as citizens should be up in arms about it and should be dealing with it as such. That seems logical. But when it is a worldwide problem, this idea that we're, we should be on some sort of privileged, excised island from the rest of the world, like Elysium or some nonsense, and that it, the, the fact that there is a worldwide energy crunch and a, a, a supply chain issue that is worldwide shouldn't, magically should not bother, you know, it, apply to us is insanity. And it's an embarrassing part of the conversation. I know why Fox is doing it. I don't know why everyone else is doing it. That's that's rough. That's a, that confuse that's that's confusing. Now, when we come back, what I originally wanted to talk about is the fact that um, Chris Christie is writing a book that's coming out Monday. I guess I wrote a book that's coming out Monday, and that is basically he's putting an oar in the water to get him to get the party away from Trump. Not a heavy effort, but he just uh, sort of call him nuts in the process. We'll be back. Mm. Attention, attention, stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hellsparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So, um, obviously, um, and I, I caught myself, but this... Chris Christie has been making the rounds lately. And on, on the news. And the... He's... It's weird when he pops up occasionally, and you're like, why... What what has he ever offered to the conversation other than being sort of like Ted Cruz and these other folks who just fall in line behind Trump? The, you know, they spend a ton of time. Donald, you're a coward and you can't talk that way about Heidi. Unless you love me. <laughs> love me. Sorry, Heidi. Um, you know, that for whatever, like it was a, theirs was a master class in just, sycophantic cowardice. I mean, it was, it was shocking, it, you know, if, it, you know, if, it, if not surprising, I suppose, to watch these guys do this. It, it was, it, you know, I was, I think a lot of people were just gobsmacked about the idea, like, how do these guys live with themselves? How do you go home? How do you say yeah. something like, let, let that dude talk that way about your wife and then challenge him basically while you're, you know, still running your campaign. He's, he's a coward and I'll tell him to his face and then just, literally become his, you know, testicle cradler for the next, you know, four years, just unabashedly. Can't throw yourself on enough grenades for the dude. Just offering to dive in front of the bus. 
It'd be one thing if you were just, you kind of pulled a Mitt Romney, which is like, maybe if I get in the cabinet, I can, I can do some good and push back on his nonsense. Oh, it was just a lie. All right, well, I'm going to ignore him. I'll vote with him when he does sort of run-of-the-mill Republican stuff, like certain judges and that kind of thing. But I'll vote against him if he does anything egregious. But most of the, most of the time, I'll soldier and keep my mouth shut. There were a bunch of those people, vast majority of them. That's why you only know the names, unless somebody, you know, really digs down of about nine Republican senators, right? The rest of them are like, oh boy, right? Just pretending they're not complicit while, while voting along party lines, right? But Chris Christie has a book coming out. Um, and it's, it's got one of these like big convoluted, uh, titles, um, Republican Rescue, How We Can f- Reclaim America and the Voice of Freedom and and whatever. Who cares? The, the main point of it, though, is that they've got to, they have to put Trump in the rearview mirror if they're going to do anything. They have to. And somebody was eventually going to get to it, you know, but a lot of people were going, is it going to take 10 years? Is Trump going to have to pass away before it happens? Is he going to have to do a giant something that gets himself, besides getting booed for suggesting vaccines, he's going to have to jump some kind of Trump shark to get there, right? I'm so willing the question for is, him to pass away. I, well, we all do. We'll all get there. And we wish it on no one. And especially uh, those among us who we know are awful and miserable. Um, Trump's lawyers filed, uh, you know, an injunction to stop the documents from coming out from the National Archives about his communications leading up to January 6th, calling the charges, among other things, uh, the or the request for documents, among other things, vexatious, uh, which we were all happy to look up online live as the statement came out, which, of course, means annoying um, and worrisome. And that's exactly what it is. It scares the crap out of them. So as long as someone who is awful and going, uh, you know, is going to be around, I would like for them to be annoyed every morning. I don't wish yep. illness and death on anyone, but I do wish constant and never-ending agitation. An yeah. itch they can never scratch and a, a, a the kind of anybody who's gone through a bill collector phase in their life or maybe in one now, you know that thing when your phone rings and you do that and you're like, Oh God. Right. Those, I wish that, I mean, that, and he lives there. I mean, he's probably comfortable as you're trying to get to sleep, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. On and on and on again. I don't, I don't wish him, uh, ill or some lightning bolt from out of nowhere. I just want him. I, I wish upon him sort of a telltale heart moment that he is haunted by his own conscience and the fear that he will finally get what's coming to him. That's it. And, uh, and, and because this will fade. He's, he's not running in 2024. Get used to the idea. And that's why this has started. So, um, the, the, you know, the main gist of what Chris Christie has been talking about is that he, he's saying, um, that Trump and everybody else needs to move on from 2020, put it in the, you know, in the taillights, admit that it's a nuts conspiracy. That's his word. And that Trump believes these things along with these other people. He So, a.k.a. cogito ergo sum, both nuts. Trump nuts. These they, That sounds bad. 
Christie told CNN that Trump must tell the truth, quote, if he wants to be a positive force in the midterms. He does not. That's the thing. Chris Christie wants to be a positive force in the midterms. Trump is not going to be a positive force in the midterms. Trump is going to be mad that other people are running for election and might get elected, and he ain't. So he's going to, everywhere you drag him, ask Yunkin. That's why Yunkin didn't want him at a rally with him, because he would have just gone up there and scared people off of voting. Yunkin squeaked by trying to get the, you know, the maggots that still vote to come out and do it, and he managed to, and it worked. And everybody else is looking at the Yunkin win as much as Trump wants to claim it. Trump distanced himself. We showed the Judge Janine interview that he did where, you know, he's like, well, it might be in the good column, the win column or the lose column. We'll see or whatever. He's like, yeah, I endorse him because he's the Republican and we don't like McCall, but we'll see if I want to add that to my list. And that's not an endorsement. An endorsement is I don't care if he wins or loses. That's the guy. That's what an endorsement is. Picking winners is not an endorsement. That's what Trump is doing. I think this guy can win is not an endorsement. It never is. It's like when Trump says, I'd like to thank uh, veterans. We'll do it. <laughs> I, I'd i like to thank, as the lead-in for those kind of sentences, is self-congratulatory. He does it all the time. The same thing is true about him picking winners. He's not endorsing these people. He's just saying, I, I think I, I want to be on their side if they won. That's it. Because he feels like a loser. <laughs> and he will for a very long time. Um, Christie has uh, broken with Trump in the, fa- in the past, saying last September that Trump should accept defeat. Um, which, by the way, uh, also, Trump has. He makes a lot, a lot of noise and bluster about this. We've seen, I've done his rallies on the other show. Look, look at him when he say we really won. His face twist. The way he kind of is dejected. People are cheering for him. He's never been more miserable, which is why I support Trump doing more rallies. He should do more of them and he should start charging admission um, because that's the only way he's going to be able to get money into that account at some point. But this is, you know, you know, Chris Christie wants Trump to admit defeat publicly. Trump is it has already conceded that he lost. He just doesn't do it publicly because he's easily embarrassed. He has no shame, but he's easily embarrassed, which is why he talks about the Afghan withdrawal, not based on its geopolitical importance, but because it's the most embarrassing thing in American history. He keeps saying embarrassment because that's the only emotion he can relate to. And therefore he thinks that's, that's other people's Achilles heel. You know what I mean? Like you, you think your weakness is other people's weakness. If you're not smart enough to adapt to your opponent or whoever you're up against and what their true weakness is. Um, and by the way, the only reason he bested Chris Christie and the others in the Republican primary in 2016 was because their weakness is his weakness. He was running against a bunch of easily embarrassed but shameless narcissistic wannabes from... You know, the Chris Christie's of the world, to Santorum, to Jeb Bush, to uh, uh, Ted Cruz especially. Right. All of those guys are easily embarrassed, but shameless. All of them feel like losers all the time, and they're trying to take it out on the world. That's what the posturing's about. And so Trump lives life like he's posturing. And then the exact, yes, with Jeb, Jeb Bush, please clap. <laughs> right? That's... That's embarrassing. That's what killed him. 
That was the moment that he he lost because embarrassment is the like I think uh, Democrats in many ways recognize shame and sometimes overwhelm yeah. people with it. We weaponize shame against our own and against other people. That's what effectively at its exaggerated point with the whole cancel culture concept is about. That's weaponizing shame, right? That's the point of it. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of what you're saying. And if you're not ashamed of yourself, we're ashamed that you're here and you shouldn't be allowed here because it's a shame. Like that's that's really it. Not, he said something embarrassing and we're all feeling embarrassed. So could you please leave? This is embarrassing. Like we're all at a cocktail party and your pants fell down. This is, it's a difference in emotion and a depth to it. Um, both sides live in an overreach and, and a lot at their extremes. But when it comes to the embarrassment stuff, they will do shameless things uh, as long as they don't get embarrassed, as long as they're seen as winning. And again, this is uh, why a lot of people support, you know, Trump. He's the, he's the pit bull that maybe shakes the baby, but as long as he bites the people I want him to bite, I can put up with that. So that's, and, and it won't matter. This is Chris Christie and everybody else recognizing that the infrastructure bill passed, the Build Back Better bill may or may not pass in some form or another over the next couple of weeks or may get punted till next spring because of inflation concerns and then get passed then, by the way, and start going into effect and help people out over the summer and into the school year and then the election comes back. The timing could even be better in the spring is is a genuinely arguable point, which would be even worse for Republicans. Um... But Chris Christie and them know that there's going to be a lot of shovels in the ground over the next year and a lot of union jobs and a lot of good jobs and the tangential jobs that they, you know, add to over the next year. They're going to have to run on something else. They're not going to be able to run on on Trump's record as of February. It won't work. And there's and that's the scary part. We got to take a break. It's the House Watch Radio program mega worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's progressive talk. 